This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. This week, The Nation is publishing a special double issue featuring more than half a dozen articles, all with the same starting point, Think Big. For a preview, we turn to the magazine's senior editor, Christopher Shea. Christopher, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. You open the special issue by saying we are at a start-from-scratch moment. What do you mean? What I mean by that is the pandemic and the COVID crisis are, are really making clear so many of the existing problems. The coronavirus is really killing along the lines of the already existing fissures in the country. And as it becomes more obvious, as this sort of volcano of rage sort of begins to emerge in the U.S., it really is a chance for us to, to think big, to sort of reimagine what we want and what we can have in this country. So the issue opens with Mike Davis, who, of course, needs no introduction. But tell us a little about his piece. Oh, it's a, it's an absolutely fantastic piece. His piece is, is actually somewhat hopeful in a lot of ways, which is not necessarily a word that people always associate with him. It started out sort of talking about all these worker actions across the country as sort of a beginning point for really sort of overturning what work and what labor relations are in the country. And uh, the nation recently created a new position on the masthead called Strikes Correspondent. And the magazine's Strikes Correspondent is Jane McAlevey. She's a longtime labor organizer and activist based in Berkeley. She writes here not about strikes, but about taxes. Tell us about that. One of the things that Jane does such a good job at is thinking strategically. She's very good at pinpointing exactly where our efforts should be going in order to maximize uh, our movement's impact. Uh, and she makes a very good point that all of our progressive dreams for the future are going to require a massive amount of government expenditure. And for that to happen, uh, we need to be able to raise taxes, particularly on the rich. Uh, and so with this piece, she focuses on a anti-austerity movement in California and sort of draws lessons from there about how we can move past, in California's case, Prop 13, uh, but, but uh, how we can move past these austerity measures. The coronavirus crisis requires big thinking about health care in America, of course. And for that, you enlisted Zoe Carpenter. She's an award-winning writer on social justice. And you have a wonderful quote from her. While COVID-19 is novel, its impact at the community level was predictable. Let's talk about that. A lot of Zoe's piece is really exploring the ways in which the coronavirus was able to take advantage of existing disparities within the country. Uh, and one thing that piece does a wonderful job at doing is looking at what cities and localities are doing, given the fact that there's been such a dearth of leadership from the federal level. So, for instance, she mentions that Milwaukee declared inequality a public health issue. And these sorts of ways of new framing at the local level should be informing uh, our discussions uh, on a much broader view. And for more uh, thinking big, you enlisted Eli Mistal. He's officially the nation's justice correspondent. Uh, but this piece isn't about the law or the Supreme Court, he says he can't imagine that people will ever go back to work the way they used to. Please explain. Ellie is not just uh, our justice 
correspondent. He's also one of the funniest writers you will, you will see in our pages. So what he says is the way we've worked since the Industrial Revolution is people come to a workplace and there's an overseer you know, who's trying to get you to make your widget as fast as possible. And he wants to overturn that to allow people to work from home. Uh, and he thinks there's a good chance to allow more flexibility, given the fact that he just can't imagine people going on, going on the subway or commuting or being in um, long traffic jams as they used to after, after going through this period. In the piece, he refers to subways as disease tubes which I thought was a particularly <laughs> memorable way of phrasing it. Yes. Bryce Covert is an award-winning writer on the economy. In addition to writing for The Nation, she's a contributing op-ed writer at The New York Times. Her writing has appeared in Time Magazine, The Washington Post, New York Magazine. Introducing her piece, you write about the wonderful evening ritual on the streets of New York where everybody comes out of their stay-at-home apartments at 7 o'clock to cheer for the essential frontline workers as the shift changes at local hospitals. But Bryce Covert doesn't just cheer for the essential workers. Cheering for essential workers isn't enough. We have to pay them enough to live. We have to ensure that they have health care and we have to make sure that they can work safely on the job. What Bryce's piece does such a great job at is sort of not just describing the challenges, but also talking about the way in which the workers are coming together to demand to be valued by society. And that takes us to unions. Bill Fletcher Jr. takes up that crucial issue. Tell us about Bill Fletcher and his piece. Bill Fletcher is a legendary longtime union activist and writer, and he just lays out a few ways where nations can re-energize the labor movement. He accuses a lot of the big trade unions of just working to protect these dwindling fiefdoms of dues-paying members and not really coming together to work uh, for the entire working class. He wants the unions to think big. He wants them to go bold. He's, he's questioning why they're not, why the big unions aren't coming together to try and organize uh, public workers in the South or organize Walmart. He, he thinks there's a way that unions should be coming together to fight for everyone in the working class and not just their dues payers. And we need the Democratic Party to win the White House and the Senate on November 3rd and also to hold on to their House majority, but not the Democratic Party as it exists right now. That's what John Nichols says. John Nichols, in, in an adapted excerpt from his recent book, is looking to Franklin Delano Roosevelt's Vice President Wallace as a source of inspiration for current-day Democratic Party. And finally, the nation's special issue on Thinking Big turns to a young writer named Julian Brave Noisecat. He's written for The Nation a couple times before. He's one of the people who helped draft the Green New Deal. He's an indigenous activist, which means he's got a different starting point from a lot of the rest of us. A lot of us have this feeling that the coronavirus is, has this apocalyptic feel. But these types of shocks and these types of horrors that we're going through now aren't 
aren't anything new. So he, he so Julian Brave Noise Cat starts this out saying that us native peoples are uh, are post-apocalyptic, and so he goes through this idea that there's this guidance that native peoples can have, having sort of survived so much hardship, and so having gone through plagues and disease and violence for hundreds of years, being sort of part of so many of the darkest moments of U.S. history, there's something to be gained from looking to indigenous communities and sort of understanding how they can emerge from such tragedy, still with a sense of humor, still knowing who they are, still knowing what they stand for. He's able to talk about this in this piece primarily by talking to three very brilliant uh, indigenous activists across the U.S. So The Nation this week is publishing a special double issue on thinking big because we are at a start-from-scratch moment. We've been speaking with the magazine's senior editor, Christopher Shea. Christopher, thanks for talking with us today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around 200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.